Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We want to start by personally inviting you to church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. We'd love to see you at either. The service is also available via live stream. That's during the 11 a.m. service. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And if you come during our 11 a.m. service, we also have Korean and Japanese translation available. We hope to see you there. This week, Christianity 101, Discovering the Real Meaning of Life. We're in part six. This week, back in John chapter three, is there an answer? And this is part two of that message. Let's begin today's Harvest Time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, half a day, Chris. Part six it sounded like a lot of different parts as you were explaining that, and it really is. But the simple uh, understanding of this series is that we're looking at three key passages, three key texts in the scriptures. We started in Genesis 3, we spent some time in Romans 3, and now we're finishing up the series in John chapter 3. And so we're coming to what I think is one of the m- most well-known and well-beloved passages in all of Scripture uh, in the second part of John chapter 3. Part of this is verse 16, which talks about you know God so loving the world that he sent his son. Um, really, the theme of this uh, of this Sunday is the theme of our church, and it's really the theme of Christianity, because this passage centers on the cross. You know, uh, we're, we're sort of given a summary of the scriptures. Um, you can kind of look at the story of the scriptures from the beginning to the end, there is a center. And I don't mean like a center verse, but really a central theme, and that theme is the cross. And if we don't understand the cross, then we'll never really understand the whole arc of the story of the scripture. I kind of describe, and we'll talk about this a little bit on Sunday, uh, like, um, you know, if you start in Genesis chapter 3 in our discussion of sin, um, it's almost like you're climbing a mountain, and we keep going in Genesis 3 through the Old Testament books, um, and as you climb this mountain, we can look up towards sort of a peak and that on the tip of that peak, you can kind of visualize the cross. And everything from John or Genesis 3 up until the cross moves forward to that. And everything from the cross on down moves away from it. And if you've ever traveled in the mountains, it's sort of like, you know, uh, you know as you dr- are driving in the mountains, you can kind of see peaks along the way. And sometimes they're a little bit hidden. Sometimes a peak out in front of you is really visible. That's really the picture of the cross in, throughout the Bible. It's always there, looming out over every piece of the Scripture. Sometimes it's a little bit more hidden by other peaks that are in our way. Sometimes we see a vision of it like in all of its glory. John chapter 3 is the center of the theme of the Scriptures, and we're just going to talk about the cross and what Jesus did for us. And um, So I hope that you'll come. We'd invite you to come and join us as we look at this really important, maybe one of the most beloved uh, passages in all the scriptures. Well, I'm really pleased to introduce uh, to you on uh, on Harvest Time today a couple of people who have been impacted by the cross. 
um, James and Vanessa Cross are here. I didn't even think about that until I said it right then. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. James and Vanessa Cross, yeah. welcome, you yeah. guys, to Harvest Time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Pastor. We're glad that you're here. You've been uh, on Guam and been at Harvest for a couple of years now, right? Yep. Coming up on, this is our third year teaching, uh, but got here in July, right before the first year. So about two years and a couple months. Okay. Both serve on our staff, teach in the academy. Vanessa, you teach what uh, grades? And... I teach first grade. Okay. You've been a teacher for a while, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, how many years is your... Um, this is my eighth year. Okay, great. And James, you teach a couple different things, right? Yep, yeah, I teach eighth grade history, so U.S. history to eighth graders, and then world history for sophomores. Okay. So, yeah, it's fun. And you guys have, a, I know, a love for God, a love for His Word, a love for His church, um, yeah. and you can see that in so many ways. I'm really interested in your story and uh, in what God has done in your life. Maybe we can start with the most recent, and then we'll back up, okay? Um, so uh, you guys have been married. Uh, maybe I'll ask you, Vanessa, first. You've been married how long? Twelve years. Okay. You have uh, some children, right? Yes, we have four children. We have one son and three daughters. James, how did God lead you guys to here? I mean, where, where, where are you from originally, and how did you get to Guam? Yeah, so I'd say before we were here, we were in the Twin Cities around uh, in Minnesota. Okay. And so back Which in this— Which is a long way from Guam. I mean, that's yeah. kind of home territory for me, too. That's yeah. a long way. Yeah, right? and so we had kind of ended up there really just through uh, some years of us just praying and wondering kind of what was next for us. And, and uh, before that, we lived in southern Illinois for— 10 um, years, 8 years, something like yeah, that? Yeah, around that. Yep. And so for us, I had gone to a college there in the Twin Cities and uh, got a degree for theology, and Vanessa was working at a private Christian school there, and uh, really just through a connection that we had with some, some folks that are here, which you guys know, and uh, just praying. Really, it was a couple months turnaround. We got news that there was even a possibility that this could be the next step, and it made sense to us. And so we thought, God, if this is you— uh, open the door, and if it's not, make it plain to us. We'll, we'll do whatever you want. And so with about a month's notice, we uh, emptied out uh, just about everything we had. There was a one nice lady. I think she would have taken anything from anyone, and she came and cleared our garage out. We just <laughs> gave her all kinds of things that to us at the time, you know, we thought this is the stuff of life, you know, a whole garage full of items. And, right. Uh, just kind of in that process of really counting the cost of we want to follow Jesus and not really knowing what the other side of that trip would look like when we get here to Guam. We we knew there would be a place. I imagine it would be a hut. I don't know why. That's what I thought. Uh, I knew it was a place. I thought I was going to have to hoof around the island to look for a car. And man, as soon as we got here, uh, people picked us up and uh, we had a fridge full of food from mm. the folks at Harvest. And uh, it just felt like home like mm. right away, mm. and it was – we cried leaving yeah. unexpectedly. Like it just all – like a wave of emotion hit us as we got on the plane uh, to leave the States. And when we got here, it wasn't – you know, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't totally easy, right. but there was something about it that was really sweet in that we were, we were living out the gospel uh, for Christ. We wanted to – we want to glorify Him and wanted to in that, so – that's a big move, Vanessa. I mean, to have kind of, I really love how you just described that, James. Everything that we had accumulated over the years, and all of a sudden we gave it up. 
and I mean, you pack down to a few suitcases, yes. right? And and yes. then move. What did that feel like to you? your mom of you know some kid, the young kids? And I think the hardest part was realizing, okay, kids, we're not going to be able to bring all right. of your special items, which it seems so silly, you know, stuffed yeah. animals. They're not anything of that much value, but to a child, it Absolutely. is. So those little things were emotional, and. When we got on the plane, we had a four-month-old. <laughs> I had just <laughs> delivered in March. We just found out we're trying to clear this big house. Um, it was very emotional, a lot of work. But just like James said, when we got here and we were welcomed and it was like instant community at Harvest, we just felt like, wow, this is home away from home. And we were really excited to be here. It really is a sweet testimony. Thank you guys for being willing to, by faith, follow the Lord in you know in how, in how you sense Him leading you. It's a it's a great testimony. But the willingness to pick up and move is a is a, a mark of many Christians, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, down through the centuries to follow God's leading in in whatever way. And I always love how God provides for us. I hope I sense that you guys have experienced some of those things in little ways and big ways. Um, he meets those needs. Yes. Let's back up. All right. Um, the, tell me where you guys grew up, how you grew up, um, and I don't even remember the whole piece of this story. But how you came to the, to meet each other, you know, where you kind of came to meet Jesus, James. Let me start with you, and then we'll kind of interact with both of you. So I grew up in, I would say, some pretty small, almost no-name towns. I don't even know if they still exist anymore. Wow. They were so. They were so minor or small in, in Illinois. Okay. And so in the Midwest, in the States, just really kind of grew up at first living with my mom and uh, my two sisters until I was about the age of nine. And uh, my mom really went through a stage where I think it was true of her. She just sought after men. She wanted the, the love of a, of a man so much that her whole life was just... Uh, engulfed in that mm -hmm. and she was never she never quite arrived at a place of peace and I think that started to slowly just untangle her as a person and she stopped showing up to home for you know days at a time uh, when you we, were very young yeah right? when I was very young so yeah. this is all before age nine my, my two sisters were probably I'm, I'm think 10 and 12 maybe and one of my my oldest sister had a son and so as a young 12, maybe 13-year-old, she had a, uh, I had a nephew. And so the four of us were just holding down the fort, uh, trying to make what we knew at, at that age, just trying to make it. And uh, so a lot of things started kind of falling apart for us, even at a young age, you know, so hygiene, social uh, kind of relationships that we would have with kids and after school things and being picked up or dropped off. Uh, so a lot of life just kind of went down to the bare bones of, uh, can we survive? So, yeah, I'd say pretty dramatic. Uh, me and my nephew, I can remember when DCFS, so Department of Children and Family Services, showed up uh, one day, you know, as a nine-year-old, you don't get notice, you don't get mail. And so for me, it was very abrupt. But I remember me and my nephew out on the front porch. He was crawl just learning to crawl, and I was kind of racing him back and forth on the porch, uh, just kind of having fun with him. And a couple of cars, that I remember them being black. I don't know if I picked that up from a Hallmark movie or that's mm -hmm. the reality, but it looked like just some government cars. And a couple people came out, talked with me, and said, James, you're going to have to come with us. 
and told my sisters the same thing. Uh, you know, uh, they're going to have to, you guys are going to have to come with us. And they had a different dad, so we were going to kind of go in different directions. They would go with their dad that they both shared, and I was going to go somewhere else. And this is one of the rare times my mom was actually home, and uh, she came out and yelling and yelling and, you know, flailing her arms about and just uh, with such surety, she, uh, the last thing she said as they kind of stuffed me in the back of the car was, James, I promise I'm going to get you back. And I held on to that promise probably all through my middle school years, mm -hmm. all through junior high. Uh, there was nothing physically keeping my mom from getting me back. Uh, it was just bondage that she was into sin, really. And uh, yeah, so I, I could probably go on a bit more in that. But I ended up going and living with my aunt and uncle for, for uh, most of my childhood. But I would kind of sporadically jump around. And my sisters went and lived with their, their dad. And so really in just a matter of a day, life was, was dramatically, uh, traumatically changed for me. Your early teen years and through your teen years, I mean, that was the story, right? Just yeah. uh, in some stable places or unstable? or uh, I did have a few people that, you know, DCFS had uh, told me, I don't know if they should have told me this, probably not, but uh, because I was unhappy living with my uncle, who I've always told people he's the you know, the meanest man that I've ever met, uh, just a guy that you could sense his presence whenever he was around. He was just so gruff. DCFS kind of, you know, I, they gave me two options. I could stay with him, uh, or three options. I could uh, get lost in the system, which was, I think was the last option. And the other one was they could put me in a temporary place, a temporary home until somebody might be uh, willing to take me, you know. And so I, as a nine-year-old, maybe 10-year-old at that time, elected to I'll be whatever it means to be lost in the system I'll go with that option because the other two sound pretty bad and so I just would you know maybe in my early teen years just started staying with various people uh, that I knew sometimes for six months sometimes for a year and my aunt and uncle continued to get a DCFS check and so I think they were okay with that until until someone would raise a question about where I was at and how they were still getting money and then they would make a call and say you got to come back home I want to connect you and, and how God brought, uh, you know, or how you and Vanessa came together. Vanessa, tell me about your background. We'll kind of link the stories together, all right? Sure. Um, so I grew up about an hour south of Chicago, a small town, and my parents were divorced when I was four. I'm an only child, so I would go back and forth um, between their houses throughout the week. They both ended up living moving to the same town so that it would I think be easier for me mm -hmm. um, so that was nice um, my mom had a rough childhood so she dealt with things you know depression and um, some hard things um, I grew up going to a Catholic grade school so um, I wouldn't say necessarily that my parents were practicing Catholics but I went to a Catholic school so I did hear things about God um, from a Catholic viewpoint some people in my family also participated in spiritual things that weren't godly. So I just remember a lot of fear as a child, mm -hmm. like just sensing things that felt dark and heavy and kind of scary. And um, so my parents, they didn't really monitor what I watched. So I just ended up watching what they would watch. So I'd watch tons of scary movies. So that didn't help. Right. Um, I, Looking back, I would say my viewpoints were very superstitious. I felt like I had to get to God. I felt like he was maybe far away. There were, um, 
dark things, you know, that could happen or my own sin or um, whatever it was. And I just felt like I had to do whatever I could to get to him. Um, So it was a lot of pressure and a lot of um, fear. Then I ended up going to a public high school. So that was a bit of a culture shock. Um, And so I would say I was, quote, a good kid because I got good grades. Um, When I could, I worked a job. I ended up working two jobs. I tried to be responsible, tried to be kind, respectful. But then I think I just got to a point where I just, I felt the pull of the world, the pull of my flesh. And I also got tired of um, trying to please everyone else. Right. So I just ended up um, going to parties, drinking a lot, um, doing whatever. I. It was like I didn't have a moral compass. I would have these periodic moments, I remember, where I would just feel the weight of it. And so I would go to confession. I would um, try to pray these prayers to hope that, okay, you know, I've repented for that sin. I'm okay now. I'm okay now. But it was a very works-based, fear-motivated relationship. Well, I wouldn't even call it a relationship with God. but searching of some way. Searching, exactly. Yes. Graduated from high school both you guys together hadn't met each other you're not from the same area Vanessa why don't you tell me how we how you met and then James you can kind of pick up the story from there okay okay so this is funny I hate this story oh okay (laughs) um so I went (laughs) I went to um college at NIU Northern Illinois University and I was just bored you know one day searching well MySpace which was the old school Facebook And I'm clicking on a friend of a friend of a friend. And I see this crazy guy with this hot pink bandana hugging this old lady. (laughs) And I just commented on the picture. I remember like something like, ha ha or whatever. A few months later, do I know you? No. A few months later, you know, we start talking to each other. So we met online. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Not the smartest thing. I was (laughs) (laughs) was 19, not the smartest thing. But um, I do remember my plan was I had a friend joining the Air Force and he was having a going away party. And I thought, okay, that's where I'll meet him. So if he turns out to be weird or, you know, creepy, (laughs) there's all these people here, you know. But um, yeah. the (laughs) Which I was. (laughs) (laughs) Sinful. But yeah, the rest is history that's how we met so you were how old when you met i was 19 okay james you were 22 24 24 okay Okay. so uh you met um we're together eventually you know kind of tell me the story from there yeah so we met started dating uh she broke up with me and i begged her to take me back Mm -hmm. which thankfully she did she probably shouldn't have Mm. uh because i think she was probably more close if there's a such thing as being close to salvation i think she was and in terms for for my closeness to to following god i don't think i was very close and so uh I was a pretty bad influence on her, hmm. uh, a little bit older than her. And so we had kind of hatched this plan uh, where I went to NIU where she was living on campus. And uh, I don't boast in this. You know, I even kind of want to erase my smile because it's not funny. It was it was a boneheaded decision. Uh, but uh, I proposed to Vanessa that we throw the back seats out of my van and we just run away together. And so uh, we did it for two weeks. We, we sadly lived in the back of my van in a Walmart parking lot, okay. and uh, we thought we were going to be able to live on love, and pretty soon our savings account got drained. And so we were reality check, and uh, we decided we would move back closer to home. And 
uh, our firstborn. We weren't married. Neither one of us were Christians. I think, like I said, Vanessa was probably closer to that. But I, I, I would say I was saved, but I was still very immature in my faith yeah. at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we got the news that we were going to have a baby and weren't quite sure what we were going to do. And so really through a series of events, we end up in Southern Illinois where Vanessa's going to SIU uh, and we decide to move there. Uh, and it, um, it's not, I mean, I could go on to talk about really the depravity uh, that she had to deal with, really the fallout of a pretty jacked up childhood, you know, Uh, it didn't just go away when I hit a certain age. And so had to deal with a lot of the character flaws and things, still dealing with those things uh, that really came as a result of just the way that I grew up. I was not a loving uh, boyfriend at first. We did get married and I could go on and talk about how we uh, decided to become Christians if, if yeah tell uh, me what happened there how, how yeah. did God do that both in your lives yeah um, so for me it happened sooner than for James um, so when I was in college at Northern Illinois University mm-hmm. when I was 19 I just remember hitting rock bottom I was so depressed I was just realizing that all these things that I thought would make me happy, this freedom. I'm finally, I'm free. You know, I have, I'm working, I'm getting good grades, all these things I'm able to, you know, I drink, I do what I want to do. It, it wasn't fulfilling. And I actually got very depressed Mm. and sometimes just wanted to die. I just felt so hopeless. And so I remember one night I was on my top bunk. My roommate was gone for the weekend or something. I don't know where she was, but, um, I just remember I had a Bible And I just cried out to God and I just asked him, I said, Lord, if you will just help me, Mm -hmm. I I want to follow you. I want to change. I want to be different. And it was just a very, to me, a monumental moment where something felt different. I remember going to sleep and I woke up the next day and it was like this hunger to know God, to actually know the Bible was just in me. I had this hunger. I just needed to know him. I needed to um, know the Bible. I just kept reading the Bible. Things finally started actually making sense. I remember before, you know, I grew up, I would hear Bible passages and things, but a lot of times it didn't make sense to me. It started clicking. um, And yeah, at first a lot of things changed. I no longer wanted to watch horror movies. It started to repulse me. Um, The music I was listening to, a lot of it was alternative music, depressing or hard rock. You know, it was just, um, I didn't want it anymore. All of a sudden, it was something in my spirit that I can't explain. I just, it changed. And then there were things that took longer to change. Yes. This was really before you met James, right? Yes. So God was doing something. But uh, no church, right? Not really. No church, no community, nobody to walk beside you and help you, right? Correct, yeah. James, what about you? Yeah, so for me, it was a little bit afterwards. Uh, We had agreed, uh, you know, after some time, Vanessa was going to small group in Southern Illinois at a part of a church that she loved and was probably a part of that small group for a better part of a year by herself, uh, just faithfully attending. Uh, Life for her was definitely different. And, uh, yeah, she just kept inviting me for uh, quite a while, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't want anything to do with going to the church. I wasn't interested. And to be honest, I was just wallowing in darkness. Mm. Uh, 
And again, it's not something I boast about. It's it's to show uh, the greatness of God's reach uh, that mm-hmm. I was I was far gone. Uh, I, I shouldn't have made it that far, let alone still be here. Uh, I don't know. Just I'd, I'd stay up all night playing video games and doing things on the computer that I shouldn't do. Uh, late and sleeping, and just had such. I had just kind of given up on life and gave myself over to as much sin as I could get. And she invited me one night uh, to her small group, and my response was, for whatever reason, I said yes. Hmm. And I got off the video game, and I went, and the guy that was preaching, it was a what we called a discipleship community, which is just a bunch of small groups that's led by a pastor, and that pastor was preaching to the small groups that he kind of oversees. And uh, he was preaching on Matthew thirteen forty four, which says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's mm-hmm. hidden in a field. Uh, and a man, he, he finds it, and in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has so that he can buy that field. And it's this transition of getting rid of everything that you have with joy so that you can have what's in the field, the treasure, which is namely Christ in the kingdom of God. And I don't know why, I just never heard anybody talk with, uh, with such conviction about Jesus being a treasure, equating wow. yeah. Christ to something that's joyful. Mm. Not just he wants my allegiance or my obedience, that, that's true, but there's something sweet about knowing Christ. And that's what I was looking for. I was trying to fill myself with something that was sweet, but everything was bitter. And I don't know, I just kind of, for me, I went up at the end of the service, I got prayer from this guy, and uh, consequently, he would end up being a mentor of mine for the next seven or eight years, and it was just awesome. Uh, And so went home, kind of shook it off a little bit. You know, it wasn't an instant transformation. It was like something had started, and went home that night, and Vanessa and I were kind of happy, like, you know, wow, that was pretty cool. Maybe I could do that again. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go play my games online and get back to being an immature man. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I did. Uh, and a couple of days went by and in the middle of the night, I just had this, I don't know, this, I would call it God spoke to me. Um, and I don't say that in a way that's mystical. I think it was uh, clearly tied to the teaching of that scripture that night, that it's something God started there, but he was working. And so, uh, it's pretty, for me, pretty dramatic again. Um, I was playing. I got up to use the restroom in the middle of a game with kind of my online cohort, you might say, of guys that I knew. And uh, as I was getting up, I just kind of got stopped in my tracks with this weight of, of darkness all around me in the apartment. And uh, as I'm kind of perceiving, man, there's darkness all around me. I just get this sense of, uh, of it's me. Like the darkness is is me. I, I'm I'm doing stuff that is evil, and uh, I just kind of was trying to get past it, trying to shake it off. And uh, there was a little, you know, like a little peephole that you look to the outside of your house to see if who's who's out there. And mm-hmm. uh, there was light shining through that peephole uh, from the hallway in my apartment complex on down to the tile floor right in front of me. So my back was to the door. And I'm looking down in this light, just this little beam of light, and I just had this this sense of I think that there's hope wow. in that light. Wow. And it was just a simple truth that mm-hmm. I, it just kind of struck me out of nowhere, stopped me dead in my tracks. And I prayed a you know a pitily prayer, which God of course heard, 
And I just said, I, I turned around, I said, I don't know how to get to that light, but I feel dark. Mm. And I remember some sort of just impulse, not words, but, you know, like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, just applying his word to my heart to say, open the door, it's been done for you. Mm. And I took the padlock off my door and, and opened it up and the light from the hall just came streaming in. Mm -hmm. And from that moment, as soon as that happened, the darkness left. Like it was a tangible feeling to me, even retelling the story just to me is hard to tell sometimes. Cause I can feel it. Yeah. yeah. But it was incredible. And I think the, you know, they say the proof is in the pudding, yeah. you know, yep. and the proof that that was truly God making me new in that moment was I've not stopped following him since. Mm -hmm. And something changed that night in my apartment that yeah. I can't account for in any human ways. Right. That was the Holy Spirit making me new, like we've been talking about, yeah. caused me to be born again. And so I took my laptop outside uh, and just beat it to bits, mm -hmm. just smashed it, threw it across the street, uh, punched my big screen TV, you know, later on I, I gained, I think, a little more wisdom to realize <laughs> I, Vanessa was like, I think you could have sold those things. You didn't have to do that. And so, and we just, you know, I, I, I followed the Lord Jesus's command to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And so I, I became a part of that church, was baptized and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And we got plugged into various different groups and uh, it was just sweet for about two years of just seeing God change other people's lives while at the same time changing ours. And we went from being combative and having just this void between us to every night just being overjoyed with what God was doing. Mm. It was so cool. Mm. Vanessa, you're watching this change happen, and God's changing you, right, at the yes. same time. Yeah. How would you describe that? It was an answered prayer. There were so many nights spent on my knees begging God mm -hmm. to please just um, save him, do something. And, you know, I'm having this hunger and I'm like, I need to be in a church. I want our son in a church. And I found this wonderful church and these people who are willing to walk with me, even in the middle of my very messy life. Yeah. And it was, it was an answer to prayer when he actually said, yes, I was, <laughs> I didn't want to look too surprised and scare him <laughs> off. I was like, okay. <laughs> And just watching God change him, it brought so much joy, and it still does. And it was just um, a testament to how powerful Jesus is. And it reminds me, you know, sometimes there's people I'm praying for for so long, and I remember yeah. if there's air in their lungs, there's still hope. Yeah. If God could save James and me, he can save anybody, yeah. truly. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for your transparency. Um, for the reality of your faith, for your willingness to follow God wherever he leads you and your willingness to share what God has done. This is what we are. We are witnesses of his majesty, of his glory, yeah. of his power. And uh, man, even as I'm finishing up just hearing, you know, I sense the, you know, the meaning of God's work in your life. Uh, boy, I don't have any idea. We don't have any idea who's listening to this right now, radio or in a podcast later on and pieces of your story really resonate with them. I mean, our counsel would be find a church, right? Yes. Find yeah. a church where there's a community of people who can show you to truth yeah. and there's hope, right? Yes. Yep. If there's air in their lungs, there's still hope. Yes. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you guys very much for yeah. being willing to share. Thanks yeah, thank for you, having Pastor. us.
And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to personally invite you to services this week at Harvest Baptist Church. We have two you have an opportunity to come to. There's a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service Sunday. We'd love to see you at either. We do have a live stream. You can also um, tune in for at 11 a.m. That's at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. If you come at the 11 a.m. service, we have Japanese and Korean translation available, so you can come at 11 a.m. This week, Christianity 101, Discovering the Real Meaning of Life. We're in part six this week. Is there an answer? John chapter three, verses nine through 21. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.